This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the Hindu's In Focus podcast. I'm Anand Krishnan, your host for today. On Friday, April 9th, India protested a US decision to conduct a patrol in India's exclusive economic zone or EEZ in the western Indian Ocean. The Ministry of External Affairs highlighted the government of India's stated position on the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea or UNCLOS that the convention does not authorize other states to carry out in the EEZ any activities military activities without the consent of the coastal state. The US Navy however defended the move and said that its ship the USS John Paul had carried out what the US calls freedom of navigation operations or fonops in the Indian EEZ adding that its operations had challenged what was in the US view India's quote excessive maritime claims in this episode we will break down both sides claims this of course is by no means the first US fonop in India's waters we will look at the significance of US fonops as well as how they sit with india's views of its maritime rights and interests as well as with international law joining us today is manoj joshi who is a distinguished fellow at the observer research foundation new delhi and has written extensively on the issue of eez's fonops and maritime law thank you so much manoj for joining us today Manoj, if I can uh, begin uh, with the most obvious question to ask, which I think our listeners would like to know: uh, What do we know so far about where exactly this latest incident, sail through, happened? And also for our, our listeners to understand what exactly is an EEZ, and what sense do we make of, uh, of the two states statements that we've seen from Delhi and from Washington? Well, you know, the thing is that uh, Anand. Uh, UNCLOS uh, is fairly straightforward on this. Hmm. See, you have a 12 nautical mile territorial sea. Okay. Every country from the from the low tide uh, area, you get a 12 nautical miles out. That's uh, your territorial sea. Hmm. You get an additional 24 nautical miles where you can have some law and order kind of you know policing um, contiguous zone. Okay. Okay. and then you have a 200 mile uh, 200 nautical mile exclusive economic zone mm. so where you can uh, you are free to exploit it but you don't have territorial rights there mm. okay you can uh, fish you can have your exclusive fishery you can have seabed mining and that kind of stuff put up um, wind um, you know wind turbines and all that mm. uh, so that permitted in that 200 uh, nautical miles right. now the thing is that the unite the 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 uh, as far as unclos is concerned when it comes to movement of military ships mm. they even military ships can go through your territorial waters on what is called innocent passage okay it is and even within your 12 nautical miles mm. if they just sail through without their radars um, their uh, weapons radars and that kind of stuff on Uh, they don't have to give you any notification. Mm. Okay. 
But India insists on notification, not only leave alone territorial waters, which is 12 nautical miles, but they say even for 200 miles uh, exclusive economic zone, uh, you must notify us hmm. before you do any military activity out. So as far as we know, Manoj, this sail-through happened uh, in the 200 nautical miles EEZ and not in India's territorial waters. Is that right? As far as what we can make uh, from the statements? Now, you know, the thing is that I'm a bit uh, uh, puzzled by it because we haven't got uh, all the details because in, because Lakshdweep has been mentioned. Right. Now, in Lakshdweep, there is another issue which, uh, which uh, is there, which is that see because in Lakshdweep again from the island your 200 nautical miles goes out hmm. outwards okay so your EZ is slightly extended meaning beyond it's not just if, uh, from your mainland it's 200 but then that your island of yours also gives you 200 correct okay but in Lakshdweep there's another issue which is called something called straight baselines hmm. you know which is uh, which is a very complicated nautical thing where they they say that if you have a group of islands, right? You know, instead of going in and out, in and out, in and out in the islands to calculate where the uh, territorial sea is, you can join two points in a straight baseline, right? So if one, you can enclose the whole island group, which so, would obviously give the, the the country a larger area of water yeah, that they can yeah. claim. Yes. Now the thing is that the U.S. is challenging that as well, right? So I'm not sure because what they do in, for example, the Chinese have a similar claim on the Paracel Islands. In the South China Sea, right. Yeah. So they, they have enclosed, uh, they have straight baseline claim there. Now, the thing with UNCLOS is it does not permit, it does not permit continental states to claim straight baselines. Which includes India only, and China. Yeah. Only archipelagic states like Indonesia or Fiji or you know, uh, Philippines, uh, they can claim straight baselines. There are so complicated put, reasons for it. Mm, so, so put it simply, Manoj, uh, from what I understand, from what you're saying, uh, India's official position that a country would require consent to even to have a naval ship pass through, uh, you're saying that isn't really consistent with international law, nor is uh, India's claims of, as you call it, straight baselines uh, around the Lakshadweep Islands, that these two claims by India do not really easily sit with uh, the law of the sea or own clause. Is that, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Meaning the, uh, and of course, we must, I must preface this by saying that the United States of all the countries has not ratified own clause. Right. That was the next question I wanted to uh, pose to you, <laughs> Manoj. So when we have a situation where the U.S. is uh, pointing to UNCLOS to justify its sail-throughs, but it hasn't really ratified it, does that undermine the U.S. argument that it is merely following international law? Well, you know, UNCLOS does have the status of international law since it's the dominant, meaning most countries have ratified it. Mm. Okay. But of course, I don't think it has any clause which says that, you know, every country must ratify it if it becomes international law. So mm. right now, for example, the U.S. last year uh, decided to support the um, uh, various ASEAN countries on the South China Sea issue. Mm. Until last year, they had taken a neutral position. Mm. Okay, But last year, because the, there was growing US-China tension, mm. they formally decided to support the uh, position of Philippines and Vietnam and, and the other states which are 
contending uh, over various South China Sea claims. Mm. So, so what I'm trying to say is, uh, at the end of the day, uh, U.S. talks of rules-based international order. Correct. Uh, the whole question, the whole question is, what is the rules-based international order? In the sense, India is not following it. Mm. Obviously, we just discussed that uh, straight baseline claim is not uh, rules-based. Neither uh, is your uh, demand that uh, you must notify. So China also China actually says you must give, get permission mm. before you carry out military exercises in the uh, exclusive economic zone. Mm. India only says you notify us. Mm. Uh, one so, question, uh, Manoj, uh, just to point out to our listeners, uh, I think that some people might have the misunderstanding that this is a US-India issue. I think usefully uh, it's been pointed out by Taylor Frerell at MIT, who says that since late November 2020, the US 7th Fleet, uh, which made the announcement on Friday, has also uh, carried out phone ops targeting maritime claims, not just of India, but of Russia, of Japan, a US ally, uh, of China, of course, in the South China Sea of Vietnam, the Philippines, South Korea, another US ally, as well as Sri Lanka and the Maldives. So, Manoj, it's fair to say that this is something that they are doing across the board. Well, uh, ostensibly, yes. Hmm. Now, my point is similar phone ops have been carried out almost every, I think, except uh, 2020. Hmm. Um, uh, they carried out, those were the other kind of phone ops where you were challenging the business of military activity in your EEZ. Right. My my concern is about this challenge in Lakshdweep mm. is the challenge to the straight baseline claim. Mm. You see, then that makes it different because then the US has never done this before as far as India is concerned. So that's an interesting point. So you're saying that, uh, of course, as you said, we still don't quite know where exactly this sail through happened. But uh, you are making the point that as far as Lakshwadeep, there is a different element to this issue. It's not just merely sailing through India's EEZ, but it's questioning a very specific Indian claim regarding Lakshadweep. Well, I have this, uh, I have this, uh, I'm looking at the Seventh Fleet uh, press release. Mm. So they say that uh, on April 7, Jolpon Jones asserted navigational rights and freedoms 130 nautical miles west of Lakshadweep Islands inside in India's exclusive economic zone. Right. So basically, they seem to be challenging the EEZ oh. without requesting India's prior permission. See, oh. But now the point is that the calculation of the uh, EEZ there is based on the straight line, uh, baseline claim. Meaning what when India asserts a, uh, an EEZ uh, uh, to the west of the Lakshweep Islands, oh. You're asserting it on the basis of your straight baseline claim. Right. And it's not from the Indian mainland. Yeah. It's not, well, not from the Indian mainland. Neither is it from the nearest island or whatever it is, which may be there. I don't know, you know which island would be there. So would it, uh, you know, so, uh, so that there's a kind of a dual challenge here. And so my thing is that beyond everything, I'm saying going back to the point you were making about various countries, you know, being uh, challenged. Mm. Uh, that's true. But I just wonder whether in this, there's a message to both China and to India. Mm. Since the message to China is, you know, guys, you know, we, we don't uh, uh, do this to you only. Right. We're willing to do it to India. Mm. On the other hand, to India, I think the issue is that, look, uh, you've got to straighten out your rules-based order business. Mm, it's an interesting point. You see? 
so you, you, you you've got to have a better you know sort of understanding of the rules based order thing and uh, so i you know i i see this as a dual message it's an interesting point and of course i think it's a similar basis to china's own claims in the south china sea which the us has disputed where it is making claims of waters based on landforms in the south china sea uh, not necessarily from the chinese mainland yeah that's that is true in the sense the, you know the chinese of course have extravagant claims meaning there is also the nine dash line thing mm. which doesn't have any uh, basis uh, the in maritime law you know or even um, so called historical claims issue the, the china claims it as a historical uh, archipelagic uh, kind of a system mm. but you know leave aside that issue my point here is this if you look at the us phonop in the parasol islands hmm. so what the us ship does is it enters and goes past various uh, islands makes it a point to enter that you know just uh, that as i explained to you the straight baseline claim in lakshadweep is like a triangle hmm. okay in in uh, uh, in in the case of the parasols um, uh, it's like an octagon or hmm. pentagon or whatever it is so this the ship actually enters that wends its way around it and out of the thing mm. now in this case it doesn't seem to have done that well, i don't i don't even know where, uh, what the maritime situation there is whether actually a ship of that size can go through the uh, lakshadweep mm. islands you see that of course would be much more serious um, uh, issue so manoj it's fair to say that given uh, there's been quite a heated reaction at least um, on social media in india people who are following this the way you see it if we purely look at this from terms of international law international conventions that india's claims uh, actually aren't really watertight i think it's fair to say that and but it's also fair to say manoj that the fact that the us hasn't ratified uh, the the un convention on the law of the sea leaves many to question their locus standi in enforcing these norms would that be a fair characterization of of why this has become a little bit of a spat well you know the fair thing is that at the end of the day international law is about might being right mm. you know the the uh, because what the us did only the us can do to india i mean in, uh, uh, right. if it is someone else like for example the chinese ship came into um, a survey ship came into uh, the andaman nicobar thing the navy allegedly chased it away mm. okay now you don't chase away the us navy <laughs> no you don't No. well the chinese try it oh. but the uh, the i don't think we have reached that uh, level where we uh, would uh, uh, risk doing that so at the end of the day it is that it is the the but the point is when you assert these the when, when you go when 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 you're going beyond unclos oh. asserting claims beyond and that's what the us says we are challenging excessive maritime basically oh. but you know tomorrow Uh, another navy can have the gumption meaning the pakistan navy can come by and say as per rule clause uh, i can sail my ship um, um, you know with uh, through your exclusive economic zone uh you know my military ship through your exclusive or the chinese and the pakistanis can say we are having a joint exercise you know of uh, mumbai uh you know i'm just saying a futuristic scenario where they have the power meaning it's not the gumption at the end of the day if you have the clout if you have the wherewithal uh, you do it so the us has the wherewithal so the us goes around all over the world uh, you know kind of 
doing these phone ops. No one else seems to be interested uh, in this. And it matters to the US for a different reason. I mean, see, this is the US-China confrontation. Not many of us people who look at China realize that the US Navy is constantly pressing China. Mm. Pressing against the Chinese mainland. They're doing surveillance there. Their ships are going there. They're, and this is the, what they've been doing historically. And the Chinese resent it. And so they have developed counterattacks. And as they becoming, as they are becoming more and more powerful, friction is growing. Uh, friction between the two, you see. Uh, but we don't often give enough uh, credit to the fact that if I was a continental state and people were coming sailing by my this thing uh, with their reconnaissance aircraft, looking at my stuff and all that, I would also resent it. Right. You see. So this is uh, something which often people don't um, uh, realize that you know maybe. Uh, the international law requires change. Maybe UNCLOS should be amended. I don't know. Mm. A, a final question uh, to you, Manoj, uh, uh, on the Quad. Uh, now, as you've uh, written as well, uh, the Quad is now uh, pushing the idea of a rules-based order. That's something that the Chinese have pushed back against strongly, saying that the only rules-based order should be the United Nations-led one. Uh, do you see contradictions within the Quad about what exactly is a rules-based order? Do you see agreement among all four, among India, the US, Australia, and Japan, uh, on what exactly this is? And uh, looking at this whole UNCLOS as one example, would this be a barrier, for instance, uh, in the future, uh, possibilities of the Quad carrying out joint phone ops? Is that something that will be a, a, a prospect that you think would be diminished because of their dif different views on this issue? How can you do that? Because the point is that the U.S. has very clearly said territorial sea. They've, they've categorized it. Mm -hmm. If you want, I can send you the U.S. Uh, Judge Advocate General's uh, you know, kind of uh, format there. Territorial sea requires foreign fo warships to provide notice before entering territorial seas. Mm -hmm. The comment is the U.S. does not recognize this claim. The U.S. protested that in 1976, 87, conducted phone ops. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Archipelagic straight lines, again, enables government to declare waters historic. Mm. Uh, waters of Park Bay, for example, we have declared. U.S. does not recognize this claim. The U.S. conducted operations again. Now, so if, if that is the rules-based order, UNCLOS, I presume, when you mm. say rules-based order, you're talking of UNCLOS. Mm. There is no other rules. Mm. When, you, when you're talking of United Nations, uh, rules-based order. So I can't see on what basis uh, the Quad could could implement mm. UNCLOS, you know, do we do it on the basis of uh, the US understanding of it mm -hmm. or do we do it on the basis of our own understanding? And there are vast uh, differences in the understanding. <laughs> there is a huge difference, obviously. Mm. There is a huge difference. No, th uh, Thanks so much, Manoj, for joining us and uh, help helping us make sense of this, uh, of this issue. Uh, I think that uh, in sum, uh, the fairest way to look at this is as much as we might want to go into details of UNCLOS uh, and legalities, I think Manod summed it up best. At the end of the day, it seems to be might is right, uh, and states probably have to live with that. Uh, thank you so much, Manoj Joshi, for joining the Hindu In Focus podcast today. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu.
We'll see you soon.